Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. We are live. Episode number 110, I think. How do you remember? Because I do all the thumbnails and all the uploading and cutting and editing, not that we edit much, but you know, by editing I mean add on a front and a back. An intro and outro, um, and I therefore have to title the episodes certain stuff, so I kind of remember. I because we sometimes obviously a bit in a, in advance in recording, I might, I sometimes forget. Hence the bit. Of, oh, is it 110? I think so. But yeah, uh, long, long, what's that? How long have we been doing it for? What two years is it? I th- yeah, it's just over two years, I think. Because well, one obviously we've been doing once a week, so you know, 110 divided by two would be 55 weeks. So that'd be one year, not two years. So I don't know. I've done, done a couple of weeks at the start, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did. I, we, I th- I'm pretty sure that we I, that came up on my Facebook time hop or whatever it's memories thing, saying that we'd released it. And that must have been two years ago. Obviously, 100 and whatever episodes. So within two years from now, we're gonna meet. 10 times bigger than we are now. There we are. I hope so. I hope so. I think so. Yeah. Well, we've lost the pipeline. I think we will. Yeah. And hopefully we'll all be multi No, I'm joking. I'm not doing this for the money. I do this to help people. I do this for the love. And the the free cheese, because that's the only reason I got a sponsorship deal. And you're going to drink another neat lean bottle that looks a bit as well. Yep. This, as Fran will uh, also vouch for, doesn't leave my side ever. Yeah, they are really good. I have two now, mm. and they're always like somewhere close by. Do you know what the best thing about this one, though, Fran, is? This one in my what? hand, specifically. The top hasn't been bitten. <laughs> no, I actually ended up biting my other one so much that I've just been using my new one. Yeah, I know, because you accused me of... Or actually, no, you accused me of having your bottle. Because you said that, yeah. oh, you've been biting yours. And then I realised, no, I've got mine in my hand. So you'd been biting yours. I've been biting it unknowingly. <laughs> this happened to me at work once with a guy next to me about a pen. Similar scenario. He bites mm. his pen. And I was like, this isn't my pen. It's been bitten. You know you had a funny story about a biting of a pen. It's disgusting, actually. It's funny as well. I would like to hear it. I'm sure our listeners would as well. I used to work with an um, engineer like, <clears throat> who would always have his pens robbed. And people would use pens at his desk, people bite them. So what he did one day, he stuck a pen up his ass. I knew you'd say that. As soon as you said that, I thought he was going to say he stuck a pen up his ass. <laughs> Why not? Well, did he put it in his ass or put it in his ass? He put it in his ass. Inside. I was going to say, did he um, lubricate or? Uh, I don't think so. I just want to. That's a bit painful. Try. How did it feel when you did it, Johnny? When I did it, well, put it, put it in my <laughs> or at the pen. <laughs> there's always, a, there's always someone who brings the brings the tone down in every episode. Yeah, it's usually you. That's <laughs> that. It's always you. Yeah. We've we've got a whole episode basically in homage to you. It's called something <laughs> like muscle building and dildos or something, just because you kept bringing the tone down. If the listeners seen what. Our WhatsApp chat is like in work. Oh wow! They believe they wouldn't believe what's on there. No, and to be fair, most of that probably does come from me actually. But oh no, this is this is my oh your work, not our one, right? Yeah, this this is it makes you look like an amateur. Really? Jeez. Yeah. Did you like this one? That did I send this the other day? This, the bottle top challenge one. Yeah, it's brilliant. That I like Good. that one. Last. Good. So I was not expecting that at all. I know it's brilliant. Did you watch this, friend? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> oh, good job. This isn't going on YouTube. They're wanging it, isn't it? To be fair. The thing is, what I find interesting is how many takes did he have? So how long did he have to keep it in that um, situation? To, and how many takes? Because obviously you don't usually do that sort of thing first time. No. No. Yeah, so. if you're uh, if anyone wants to know what's happened, you probably have to just message in or something and ask. Um, anyway, so um, let's start with Fran. Fran, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? Because you've not been on in a while. I haven't. Um, what have I been up to? I have been moving house like crazy. 
Um, and I've been in the labs a lot collecting data for my um, post-grad research project. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much been my life for the last month and is going to be my life for the next three months until I graduate. Um, so nothing too interesting, really. Um, but um, plenty going on. We've actually got a true scientist on this show for once. <laughs> a nerd. In the labs. In the labs. Nice. Sounds a lot cooler than it really is. Really, we're just prepping food to give people so that they can go away and eat it. And then taking some of their blood every couple of weeks. Nothing um, too nothing too hard. Well, that'd be cool to see the uh, results of this, though, once it's done. Yes, it will be. Hopefully it'll get picked up and published. Hopefully, yeah, that's the idea. Um, I don't know whether it will get published when we do our write-up because we won't have that many participants through. But the PhD student that's like continuing the study on after um, hopefully is going to get it published. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Oh. Anything else? Uh, not really. Training has been kind of ticking on, not been great, but had a couple of good sessions here and there. Mm -hmm. um, I have... Uh, have? Have. <laughs> um, started I have, son. I have. I have. <laughs> I have um, anyone that follows my Instagram will know I've started tracking my macros again, which I haven't done for a while. Um, and I am, for the first time in a very, 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 very long time, in a slight calorie deficit, um, just trying to lose a couple of kilos that I've put on this year to feel a little bit better in my skin. So I suppose that's like a mini side project to help myself feel better. Um, and so far, so good. Um, my weight's not gone down, but I feel a lot tighter. Um, and I feel like I'm just eating in a more, I don't know, like slightly healthier. I'm paying more attention to what I'm having in my food. I'm kind of like making sure I fuel my training sessions well. Um, prioritizing kind of whole foods over ice cream. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's going well so far. Nothing drastic, but been a nice mini project alongside yeah i think when you're not dieting it's so so easy to just let kind of your good habits slip and it's yeah not, yeah and it's not something like even you know as a professional in the industry that you think oh you should never do this like why don't you do it but because obviously mm -hmm. i tell my clients the same thing like you, you if you start to move from like someone who's used to dieting to a, a i don't know a, a bulking phase if you want to call it that or a massing phase or a gaining phase or whatever you want to call it one of the best things you can do is just continue to eat as you were. So a lot of the habits, structures and routines obviously that you'd build up through dieting, just, just eat in that same manner, but maybe just increase the amount of food you're eating because otherwise, a bit like what you've just said, a lot of the, the stuff that we do for health reasons, not just physique reasons, just go out the window and you end up just, I, I, to be fair, I'm doing it right now. Like anyone's, anyone's got to watch my story today eating the crap I've eaten today. I've been out of fate today, like a local fate and I've had a hog roast, two ice creams, they had a, a bake-off, the challenge thing, where you paid a pound, you got to have a piece of each bit of cake. There's five cakes. I paid mm -hmm. one pound for five bits of cake. And obviously, me and generate it all. So it's like, I've just eaten nothing but shit today. So, um, yeah, it's an easy yeah. excuse when you're kind of in the mentality of uh, eating more for performance and or to for even for better, for better long-term body composition. But in the end, really, is it the best thing to do? Mm. Yeah, it's kind of odd for me because I haven't, I haven't been, I suppose, like quote unquote dieting for like probably like two years since I last attempted to like be in a prolonged or like a slight calorie deficit and actually like tracked it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of weird because I'm getting used to the whole working out when I'm hungry and like making sure that I eat enough around my training so my training's not shit. Um, and kind of also just learning to sit with, like, say 4pm, I always have snacks at 4pm, but kind of like sometimes realising that actually it's alright to be a little bit hungry, because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's probably something I've been quite out of touch with, um, is actually being like truly hungry slash just eating for boredom or eating for the sake of it or just eating because I can. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's going well so far. Right, good. You also got a coach yes yes i do uh do you want me to elaborate if you Exam? want if yeah you, if you don't want um, to just say yes and then move on <laughs> yeah so i'm working with a lovely lady called vicky um and she's the tiny titan on instagram and i actually worked with her for a month before my last powerlifting competition 
just to make sure I made weight okay and to make sure that the last month of my training was kind of as optimal as it could be. Um, and we clicked really well then. Um, and I just thought she was brilliant in terms of how like responsive she was, how much depth she went into in her check-ins, how much information she gave, how much she would go out of her way to help you. Um, and yeah, I just, it was, I just really clicked with her and I trusted her to help me on kind of like this process. And for me, one of the main things is accountability mm -hmm. um, and having someone there that I check in with. And it's all very well being like, oh, but you're a nutritionist. You should know how to do it yourself. And oh, you should be accountable to yourself. But I'm not. And I put my all into helping other people and to getting other people their results and stuff. And then when it comes to myself, I'm just like, I just want someone to do what I do for other people mm -hmm. <laughs> for me. Um, oh, so that sure. was the thinking behind getting a coach. No, that's super cool. I've, we've all been advocates and all had coaches of our own at some point. Um, yeah. I think it's one of the things that people tend to miss when they even look at coaches is the accountability aspect. I know we kind of we, we've talked about it enough, and some people obviously, think, oh yeah, you know, I need the accountability. But I think it maybe even the ones that recognise it underestimate the actual importance. And this is why you know, we've joked around people that are worried about fucking sharing spreadsheets across coaches or um you know people are worried about that type of stuff when actually i didn't realize the spreadsheet doesn't make a coach like the things that make a coach is all the things you've just said um and the accountability aspect like people are paying you for for those things for the education the accountability and support and not paying you for a fucking spreadsheet for christ's sake so yeah yeah cool good good but yeah i'll probably do i can do a little update when i'm next on the podcast and let people know how it's going Let's but go. yeah it's me for now Excellent. So, Johnny, what's been happening, brother? I've actually been doing the at the garden, putting some artificial turf down. Hmm. That's, that's, that's great, so you don't have to mow it. What happens if a dog shits in it? Well, funnily enough, we've, cause we're going to put a, a build a fence onto the frame um, of the turf, basically. So, we'll need another one because he's old and he's. Uh, Probably not got many years left. He ain't gonna jump over it. So fence it off. Go on the patio instead. So it won't be any won't be any shit or piss in there. Because it'll end up giving away. How, how does it look? As in, does it look very artificial? Does it look realistic? Well, it's not be down yet. The base layer not down. The yard, the hardest work is being prepared at the minute. So I'm nearly there. But you must know but, how it, you must know how it looked yeah. though in terms of what the reason <clears> bought it. So it just looks like. Fake as fuck. No, oh, fuck. it looks like it looks like you're on a golf course, like that sort of grass. Like, okay. obviously, if you when you feel it, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but when you look at it, it looks it looks like it's nicely kept short grass. If it, like, if, it, if it if it looks genuinely just like, does it? I suppose the way you described it, is it, it looks real, but it, like so perfect it can't be real. Kind of thing is that? Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, because you can pay £9 a metre or you can pay £35 a metre a square metre. So you're not going to pay £9 a metre because it's going to look terrible. It's going to look artificial and it's going to look crap. Mm. And it's going to feel crap. Yeah, okay. Just I've seen a couple of people's in front gardens of houses I've walked past and I'm like, that looks fucking shit. That looks like the type of stuff you'd see in like a retail like outlet car park. Yeah. Like they, that they kind of put in like the traffic islands on. That type of stuff. I mean, but at the minute, we, well, we used to have crappy old school council paving. It's like twenty-five kilos of paving, like mm -hmm. two hundred of them, two hundred and fifty of them, and no, no grub left in between them, wrecked, bobbled. So it's better. Anything's better than what we had. So imagine my delight at having to move two hundred of them after a night shift. Yeah. Well, think of the uh, meat and the. It was very, very high. Yeah. I came back after a full day of, you know, full night of eating up. 15 stone on the dot, and I, I came in 14 stone at 11. <laughs> I tried those later. Impressive. He's very impressive. Mm. It's very impressive. Apart from that, so really, dieting, 14, I'm a 14, 12, isn't it? Averaging 14, 12, 14, 13. So down from 16, 8 in January. So I got ten months left. Two. Ten. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, my wedding. Yes. So ten months. Is it ten months? 
yeah, 10 months, call it 40 weeks, pound a week, 40 pound, one half, call it three stone, I'll be high 11s. You're talking percentage in body fat? No, I'm talking about weight. <laughs> okay. I hope I'm on high levels. I'm hoping I hope I'm single digit. Yeah, I reckon you get down to four, maybe five. Some big ass there, isn't by, it? By Dexa, yeah. That's extreme, right, isn't it? Four, five. Yeah, that's Minnesota salvation study levels, that isn't it? Yeah, you'd be stepping on stage, mate. I'm gonna mass for that. No, no. Neither many of us. Fran probably has to be fair. No, funny enough, I was watching. Kind of who it was. Maybe like a J cut an old video and he's like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm like, mate, you're eating like 5,000 calories three weeks out of a it's, like, it's all relative, though, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's just time. like, you're freaks. Absolute freaks. Anyway. Anyway, it's a shame when Fran's not only the strongest, but has the most muscle out of all of us. <laughs> I doubt that's true, but. <laughs> well, you've definitely got more muscle than at least Ed and Matt and Paul. But obviously, not me and Johnny because we're here, so you can't say that. <laughs> Okay, that double bicep pose. Good. Um, no, very heavy, and I, in all honesty, I'm heavier than more. Well, all of you by a long way, and I, I would imagine. I weighed in this morning at 178.5. What's that? In, what's yeah pounds? You're gonna say what's that in new money? Um, Twelve. Is it 12 and a half? I don't even know in stone and pounds, if I'm honest, mate. Um, I only ever work in kilos. I only ever work in pounds, and the reason I only I started working in pounds age goes because I like the fact that it was obviously smaller increments yeah so, that's true actually so obviously you can yeah. see the, the change like, obviously as long as you lost half a kilo it doesn't sound a lot but when you say I've lost like 1.1 pounds it sounds a lot more so yeah that's true so um, that is 80.966 kilograms um, can oh, I do that in stone yeah that is 17.75 stone so 12 sorry 17 12.75 stone so 12 and 3 quarters so what's that that is 12 stone 6 and a bit 7 no what's 3 quarters of 14 that is 11 10 and a bit something like that I don't know I can help put me on the spot um, so yeah let's just go 12 stone 10 I'm currently 208 208 pound Jesus. Four. 94 and a half kilos. Well, I'm 178 and I still have abs, mate. So, just saying. Don't have abs. Don't have abs. Yeah. I've also got the biggest backside in the world, though. Massive backside and love handles, unfortunately. <laughs> Dread my fucking female pattern genetics. Don't have abs. However, I did incline dumbbell press 47 and a half. For ten the other day, that's oh, crap. Yeah, that's me too. Good. I did forty-seven half pounds. Kilos. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm not strong. I don't care. I train for hypertrophy. I'm not a powerlifter. I don't give a shit. I've always been stronger than I've looked. You know what I mean? That's probably a fucking good thing because you don't look very strong, mate. No offense. <laughs> you, look, you look. In fact, you look like a weak, weak Phil Mitchell. <laughs> I would like to think I look more like Jason Statham. Yeah, I told. Did I tell you the story about the the Greek dude? Although he was in Turkey, but the Greek dude in Turkey that uh, said I looked like Jason Statham and then refused to do anything but refer to me as Jason all night. Yeah, I'd be happy with that, really. Yeah, I was pretty happy to be fair. I wasn't. I wasn't complaining. I said, you carry on, me. Big Jason. Hello, hello, Mister Jason. Yes. Say again. I think Jason Statham never listened to this podcast. No, of course he won't. He What's the odds? Billion to uh, Higher. 10, 10 billion to one. Um, he also did the bottle top challenge, wasn't he? One of the first, I think. Yeah, but he's a, he's a genuine martial artist and he's, he's you know, red off, isn't he? Yeah, you can tell the way he does it that he, he's got some technique and knows what he's doing. Whereas some of the other people you've watched, you're like, oh. Like the last guy I just showed, he had no technique. Yeah, because you know with his dick. <laughs> you weren't supposed to say that. People were supposed to message yeah. in and find out. <laughs> anyway, on that note, um, shall we move on? Yeah. <laughs> 19 yeah. and a half minutes of junk. Speaking of weight. Let's just say weight. Speaking of weight. Speaking of weight. What? No. Uh, 
Speaking of weight, I don't know how to tie this in now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of weight, it's maybe your weight seems to kind of hover around a specific point at a lot of your, your life. Maybe you want to know why. Or maybe not say why, but maybe just kind of want to hear some annoyance about it. That was a terrible link, wasn't it? That was fucking terrible. Okay, right. What today, listeners, we wanted to speak about. It's um, I don't really know where it came about in terms of inspiration for this topic. Um, anyone else know? Hello. I can't remember who suggested it. Well, I suggested it, but I can't remember why. I don't know if it was on something or somewhere. Why? I don't know. I don't know. It just sprung to mind. I thought, you know, that would be quite a cool topic to talk about. Um, so the topic is around body fat. Yeah, but let's say body fat, uh, body fat set points and settling points. Uh, so a term some people might have heard, might not have heard. Um, when we start talking about it, might start to think, oh, actually, yeah, that makes sense. Or, you know, start to understand a little bit around the concept. So um, we just thought it'd be quite a cool thing to talk about, didn't we? Not not so, not so cool for Fran as she disappears. I think I said it. Look, it's not. It's never really in the mainstream. Like, similarly, really talking about this shit today. No. Nah. Almost people on most typical diets. I mean, I think because hopefully after this episode, people understand why certain things happen when you lose weight. I mean, why certain things happen, and it's like. So I think some people blame themselves, and they are just the willpower. You haven't got the willpower. And how often have you heard that in coaches? You haven't got the willpower, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it's not really as easy as that, is it? You know, no. there's an element of willpower, obviously. But there is, your body does have certain mechanisms in place to fight you. Do, do, do we want to talk about the cancer research campaign and that type of stuff. Only because, and maybe we shouldn't, I don't know, just when you were talking about, I was thinking just that you said about people moaning about, oh, oh, it's just more willpower and stuff. But you think a lot of the, the debate around the cancer research piece that's going on at the minute around obesity and the cause of cancer um, and their, their type of or particular choice for marketing. People are saying about, oh, it's body fat shaming and you know obesity is a multifaceted thing that is not necessarily down to the individual um, in terms of it's just kind of their choice to to be so not to be obese or not um, I although now I've said all that I think oh do we really want to get into the mass debate because actually that will end up being what the topic ends up being for today rather than the actual topic we originally planned because I get, imagine that'll take ages it's only a debate because there's so many sensitive fucking snowflakes on the place these days Oosh, I think we know which side Johnny sits on I know exactly what I'm sitting on like me people's lives at the end of the day don't fucking like it it's probably because maybe you need to change. But right. I, I don't, for me, like I've been there, I've been obese, so I can say it. It's like, fuck's sake, get over yourself. It's a fact. You don't complain about smokers, do you? You know, don't say no, that's for men shaming smokers. No. How long have you had? It's been 20 years. Get, get over yourself. Christ's sake. That's well, just my I, I think that's definitely maybe a topic. Definitely maybe. It's just a topic for, a, for another day. Because I can hear Johnny's going to be talking for a yes, long time. Yes, it makes me angry. It makes me oh, fucking angry. It makes me so angry. Ranting. It's like, we live in you can't, you can't say anything. You can't do anything. You can't sit without someone getting offended. If you're offended, it's up on you, not on me. I'm trying to move him on, but he's still going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, let's let's do that another time. I'm, I'm glad I brought that up. Um, so, okay, so... I guess, guess going back to set points, um, I will define my understanding of a set point. And I say my understanding like, I say it like that because I want people to understand that I'm not an expert. I know little bits around it. I've done a little bit of reading. Um, and I just kind of know a little bit around the, what was going on here? Sorry, my, I've got a weird window just popped up on my thing. I hope that hasn't affected the recording. Um, my understanding of it is kind of very high level. So don't expect this to be some really detailed piece around there. However, I think it could be an interesting chat between the three of us. So we are going to go with it. So a set point. So basically, there's been a long-standing debate in the world of mainly the obesity research, but obviously it comes out within the fitness industry as well um, around the professionals within the industry. 
Um, and it's really around the idea that body weight, or probably why I kind of titled it around at the start, say body fat set points and not set points, but perhaps body fat is regulated in some way. Um, probably link it into a lot of the stuff that we heard, Fran, when we went to the MNU conference from Mr. Guillenay, Mr. Okay. Stefan Guillenay, uh, just around kind of a lot of his hypothesis or a lot of his yeah okay let's help hypothesis or theories around obesity and the causes and, and that type of stuff because he does talk a lot around kind of the regulation of that body fat doesn't he so um so the idea basically being that our each individual people so our bodies have a set point a almost like you could refer to it as a thermostat but if you were talking about stefan guillenay's terms you, you you'd probably use the word lipostat i assume he came up with that he never really said whether it's a word something that he created or whether it's just a word he's just kind of used. Um, but I like it, you know, it makes sense. Lipostat, so obviously lipids being fat, lipostat. So, um, yeah, it's just basically the idea that you have almost a set thermostat in your body that kind of wants to, or your body wants to keep its body fat levels at a certain level. Yeah? Yeah. Anyone agree? Johnny, do you agree? I would agree with that. You would agree. So basically the idea would be like, and I think a lot of this came from animal research um, that kind of supported that that model that if you starve a rat, it metabolic rate slows and then it moves less to obviously conserve energy. Its appetite will go up when you give it free access to food again and then it will eat basically until it reaches a starting weight uh, at which point it's kind of got, it goes back to normal. So that's kind of this idea that you kind of, it's this set point trying to keep someone's or this rat's body weight in a certain level and it will do things to adapt so this kind of ties in a lot of the stuff that i i said in must have been the last episode with ed actually so we recorded that a while ago so i'm trying to think back to when it was but i think it was then when we were talking about um maintenance breaks or diet breaks excuse me internal but very nice um maintenance breaks or or why is johnny suddenly gone dark really off putting it's a silhouette of just johnny really put me off my stride ah uh, where was i um we were talking about maintenance breaks and diet breaks in the last episode and I kind of said around one of the posts or content that I put around starvation mode and starvation mode being a real thing, which obviously I was really clickbaity and I was hoping I was going to get more people jumping at it, but no one did. Um, it shows you how popular I am. But this is what that's talking about, the, the kind of the things, the, the conservative effort your body does to basically conserve calories. So that is kind of starvation mode, as much as obviously every fitness professional that claims to be evidence-based will say that's not a real thing, um, which is true because in the manner of that, starvation mode doesn't stop you losing weight in a calorie deficit. No one's saying that. What we're saying is your body will actively fight back to reduce the amount of calories you expend and also actively fight to get you to consume more because it wants to keep you at the set point. That's the idea. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Even evolutionary thing, and I would imagine from when obviously food wasn't abundant like it is now. When you like, I'm joking here, but when you're trying to you know kill dinosaurs and stuff like that, you know what I mean? It's quite hard to catch one. So you might not eat for a couple of weeks on on end, like so. It would make sense to conserve and adapt to survive. Yeah. But now those adaptions don't really serve us very well. They do not. And that is fundamentally a lot of the principle of Guillenay's research and his theories and hypothesis around this food environment and the obesity epidemic that we are suffering because of this food environment and the ability to obviously for people to get food whenever they want. That's part of it anyway. Anyone, well, barring the, I think, it must have been Lyle who said that the genetics for someone being obese and whatever the mechanism is, there's something wrong, is so minute it's hardly worth talking about. As in the people who get it, it's so few and far between. So anyone could lose weight in the appropriate environment. Yeah, Obviously, so, that's easier said than done. Yeah. Obviously. Just, just like, Sorry, Frank. Okay. I was just going to say that one of the studies that he spoke about when we were at the conference was um, the rat study where they fed the rat like... Um, its normal feed and it did what we said it would like overeat if it had lost weight and then undereat if it ate too much but then they swapped that feed for like a western diet and like really hyper palatable like junk food so like you know, always right. your ice cream and stuff calorie dense food 
Um, and the rat didn't have that same uh, like stopping point. They just ate and ate and ate until the rat became obese. And it didn't seem to, it kind of like, it, the hyperpalatable food seemed to override the rat's like natural instincts to stop eating. Mm-hmm. So it's set point. Yeah, yeah, override its set point, which I guess is like us being in the environment we're in where we can access hyperpalatable food when and wherever we want to it's kind of like prevents us from sitting at our set points uh-huh. i guess you could say yeah that, that that probably and maybe we'll just we'll segue into it now and then we'll probably come back again but that mm-hmm. kind of you almost now describe the difference between set point and settling point so your yeah. set point being kind of this 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 uh set genetic regulation of body fat levels based on kind of like what you'd expect as a, as an optimal i don't know if that's the right phrase but an optimal environment um against your settling point which is where your set point essentially can move based on its its environment so like you've just said fran if people can understand the the, the food environment that we live in um all of the food cues and the the access and the the, the stuff that we have to these hyper palatable like cafeteria style diets is obviously what the, the phrase obviously is used in research or what stefan used um, for these rats but it's similar obviously principle for us that we've got all this junk food and shit around us and um, that we can just access at any point that kind of the idea is that it moves our setting our set point to a different range so where if you stick someone in that environment the environment I just described their set point will move up towards to a higher level so where their body will probably try and then maintain a higher body fat percentage um and vice versa, if you took that person out and stuck them probably in the middle of uh, a poverty-stricken land in Africa, say, or wherever, it doesn't have to be Africa, but wherever, somewhere obviously where it's poverty-stricken and access to food is um, very sparse, sparse, you're then going to find probably that their settling point will reduce down to a lot lower level. So this idea of like a set point being kind of almost stuck or genetically driven, um, whereas a settling point is probably more appropriate for most people because it, it kind of takes that set point but then adapts it to the environment it's in it becomes more of a range of weights that you sit in rather than kind of like a narrower set point yeah and i suppose i mean i like the term settling because it's almost like well you know you start somewhere and obviously if you put it in an environment it starts to settle at a different point i think it describes quite well where oh you can you know and everyone can 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 hypothesize or theorize in their head around um you know if, oh, if i stick someone in a place where there's access to donuts and chips and god stuff God knows stuff all the time. They'll be able to. They're likely to obviously set to a higher body fat percentage compared to someone who's having to, to kind of try and find and go out and find food. That's generally probably low calorie or um, not necessarily completely calorie dense as well. So mm-hmm. good. Obviously, hopefully, that's the people have got a good idea of what a set point and a certain point is now. So um, one one kind of I suppose a, a piece of that which shows or which is interesting to talk about i suppose is that it seems to be that in the research and also i can i can say this anecdotally as well um there seemed to be like the, the system or the regulation of the this body fat or set point whatever you want to call it is is asymmetrical so that it kind of protects against weight loss far more than it would protect against weight gain mm. so and this goes back to what johnny said a moment ago around like evolutionary requirements i think that it makes sense and obviously, you know, I'm saying it as it makes sense that I don't think this is necessarily in any way scientifically provable or proven. Um, most of this is obviously theory we're talking about. Cause we're talking about set point theory and, and setting points theory rather than anything kind of fact or fiction as such. Um, so I think obviously a lot of this, as much as Stefan goes into lots of the research, I think a lot of it is still like a hypothesis around why stuff happens rather than like what happens. So I think the what happens bit is quite well established or well respected by most people it's the why bit but anyway so um the, the going back to this evolutionary requirement i suppose it's a case of we understand that when food is uh sparse the having a set point or having something that gives us some drive to eat and go to get food a starvation response that obviously helps conserve energy really useful for evolutionary requirements and obviously for evolution however getting overweight for most of human development and obviously i'm not a um is a paleontologist the right phrase for someone that just studies history is it just dinosaurs dinosaurs no just dinosaurs okay probably not so relevant then 
Um, okay, I'm not someone that studies history <laughs> um, or the evolution of man. Uh, however, I think for a lot of our lives, we we were basically top of the food chain. You know, we never really hunted. So you can imagine our body is probably evolved to not really need to protect itself about being overweight, fat, sluggish, can't really move. Because we've we've no we've not really had many predators. Like even even animals out in the wild probably didn't really hunt us for food. You know, I'm sure plenty of people got killed by wild cats and crocodiles and whatever else for, for many years. However, you know, we've not really had to worry too much around kind of fighting against weight gain for evolutionary survival purposes. So you can kind of see why it might be asymmetrical in that the body kind of does protect far, far more around weight loss than it does against weight gain, which is obviously a bummer for us with physique goals because we, we, you know, we struggle to lose weight, we diet hard, our body adapts, the starvation mode kicks in, um, or starvation response if you want to call it that, and we then find it even harder to lose weight. We have to diet harder, we have to reduce our calories more and do all the things that we, we kind of do for dieting. Um, and then... Basically, if we go back to our eating before, our weight just rockets up really quickly and we sometimes overshoot without any kind of real natural um, like fight against the weight gain. We're like almost primed for weight gain because obviously it fits in with our evolutionary requirements. And that's a fucker when you're trying to you know, hold a decent physique. I've talked a lot. Thoughts? I do find, though, that... I've seen a lot of relatively muscular blokes who are, who are also fat, you know, about like 20-odd percent body fat, just a lump. But when they've dieted down to single digits, they always hold a decent shape after it. This is only what I... It's probably seen in 10 people, say they're 16, 17, 18 stone. They've got down to 12, shredded, and they've never gone back to where they were in terms of fatness or size you know I'm not saying there could be you know they've decided they want to use gear mm-hmm. which obviously makes a difference but I don't know someone I've noticed with people who've yeah. been big lost but have never really become out of shape again I think and I, I'm, I would guess or hypothesise again on this I would imagine a lot of those people that have been that successful in losing lots of weight it's not necessarily their set point or the settling point that's keeping them at that weight. And it's probably just they've built up these really good habits that they're kind of actively putting into place over a long period of time. Because, you know, I think for most people that have lost their weight, they'll say that they have to work pretty hard to keep that weight off. Yeah. Would you agree? Do you think for most people, it's not something that they just suddenly get to that weight and then they can kind of just eat normally, in air quotes, and, you know, stay at that body weight. If they ate normally, in air quotes, they'd end up finding themselves slowly creeping back up to... You know, there is a weight, which you tend to find with people that do things like Slimming World and lots of other clubs because they haven't had that education. They haven't really built those proper habits fundamentally over time to, to keep doing those. And instead, they just go back to eating in air quotes normally. And as I say, that's the bit that this kind of set point and settling point is just kind of making them then just slowly creep their weight back up. I find it easier if rather than going from like a... 18 stone to 14 stone quickly. If you went 18 to 17, held it. 17 mm-hmm. to 16, held it. Mm-hmm. I find that, because I've done similar to that over a year years of training, and I found it easier. Like, I, I could never, well, I could go back to 18 stone, but I'd have to really work hard. Yeah. There's no yeah. way, there's no way I could accidentally get to 18 stone again. Not a chance. Yeah. Would you yeah. say Would you say that also links in some stuff we said last week around adherence? So, you find it easier to break it into small chunks, have breaks to adhere yeah then it would be to try and go from 18 to 14 in one go. So that's, yeah. that's less of a of a set point thing and maybe more of just the fact that yeah. having breaks just makes it easier to adhere to. Yeah, but like, but now my set point was probably, my set point's never been, it's probably never was 18 store. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, the set, my set point is probably, I don't know, whatever weight it is, but I couldn't get up there. But it won't tell me, it won't tell me I'm hungry now when I'm eating two and a half thousand calories a day, I need to be eating four or five to get a week in stone and it's never going to tell me I need to be there. So, I mean, so my set point wasn't it 18, it was, it was probably lower, but it is lower. That's what I was going to say when you brought up that um, point about the heavier guys is that maybe their set point wasn't there, but that's where they kind of like yeah. settled because of whatever habits they're in or whatever lifestyle they're living. And then when people make quote unquote like 
changes for life or healthy lifestyle changes or things like moving more like trying to hit a set goal or like not drinking however many pints of beer a week or like not having takeaway every night things like that when people change that they tend not to just like once you've reached your goal you tend not just to go straight back to eating as much as you were before it's more than anything at your newer smaller body weight your body's not telling you that you need the same amount of calories as yeah. you did when you were five stone heavier and you be. tend to those kind of like big lifestyle changes people tend to stick to a bit more mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. how would you ever know your set point I don't I... you wouldn't would you because it depends on what environment you're in if, yeah. you born, if the same exact person was born in Africa, let's say there's a, a different, you know, another universe, that same person was born in the UK, then their set points would be totally different. I think that's exactly why there's this big debate around whether set points are a thing or whether maybe a lot of people in, you know, a lot of the obesity researchers or people in the industry feels that the settling point is a more accurate representation of, of it all rather than... Because like you say... The set point is almost irrelevant because you have to take into account the environment anyway. It's not like you can avoid. You can just say, "Well, I'm going to focus on my set point because you know whatever environment you're in is going to determine that anyway." Your body's fairly clever. It's very, very clever. So surely the, the thought of a set point doesn't really make sense in terms of how intelligent the body is when it's going to go well. This and clearly getting more calories from and well, it doesn't know what calories it can want, but your your body. For a set point, is it really a good thing? Because a different environment. Well, if your set point sixteen storm, you live in you live in Africa, then you're gonna fucking die. You know? mm-hmm. You're never gonna get up there. Your body's gonna adapt to get up, but you're never gonna get back there. You know what I mean? So, settling point seems it seems better than it. Like, is it a, is it really a set point? You know what I mean? Could you? The only way I can think of working out is if you've lost weight, not horrific amounts so you're like eating like 200 calories a day but then you can legitimately not track and poorly work off your hunger signals see where you end up after a couple of months of being not tracking just working off your hunger yeah that's your i don't know set point i think um so like the set point you could say in a clinical setting then yes, because obviously in a clinical setting where you can ver- you can standardise all the variables, then someone's individual set points probably going to determine how much they eat and basically the body fat levels they then hold or settle at. Um, because obviously in a clinical setting you can control every environment so that actually the settling point it shouldn't actually be a variable. There is no settling point because everyone's in the same environment. Um, I think the the point of it all though is that we're not just uh, we're, we're obviously we're, we're saying that obesity is a multifaceted complex thing and that the reason people overeat or overweight is you know like a huge amount of different things and it's not necessarily one's individual um i don't want to use the word responsibility because it is the they are responsible as an individual because they're the only ones that can affect change so people have to be individually responsible by definition almost but anyway that that side um it's not necessarily someone's all all someone's own mentality choices thought processes etc is what's what's causing them to be overweight because some of the stuff we've talked about plus many many other things like social economic and psychological and you know not just environmental um anyway where was i going with this so the point is though that with a settling point you can still control sorry you can still control many aspects of your environment so even though we now live in an industrialized world, world where food is very much in abundance and we have lots of access to it, doesn't mean that you can't do things in your life to change your environment. And things might seem like an easy example is don't keep fucking chocolate in the house if you feel like it's affecting your adherence to a energy to energy balance, to a calorie deficit, or to your you know calorie balance or whatever your goal is. Those, those, those types of things where you can control some aspects. You know, you can't control everything. You can't control walking down the street and smelling KFC, if that's what you're into. Um, you know, you can't control some stuff on the TV. But there are many things that you can control. Does that make sense? So I think that yeah. those things that you can control are some of the things that will be affecting your settling point or affecting things, how much you eat on a day-to-day basis. I think we're also... 
doesn't help is people's want of instant gratification and always looking for the one magic thing. Yeah, that... And they're always looking for it, and they'll argue blue in the face with you. Yeah, but my friend Janice did this, and she made all these games, so they assume that's the best way. They don't wanna, they don't want to entertain. That it is hard. I... The principles are always the same. It's just, it's very, very difficult if you're obese to get to a healthy weight. If you're still looking for this magic pill, which people are all the time. Yeah, I think the the want for the instant gratification stuff is again an evolutionary thing, that you know, instant gratification keeps us alive because obviously delayed gratification, people would die looking for food if that was the case. You know, if they worked really hard now for a you know reward later down the line, they'd die before they got the reward. That's almost like an evolutionary thing that we we're kind of almost built to want stuff now. In the environment we live in now, everything is now, isn't it? And Compared to what it used to be like. Again, why it kind of works against us again in, in this modern day and age. Yeah. Environment's got a massive part as well. It's, it's probably the main part, really, in it. Because if you put everybody in an environment where they had to kill their own food, you could almost put a, put a number on 99% of people who would be, wouldn't be. You've got oh. the odd 1% who've got some genetic deficiency or something. Mm-hmm. But if you put them in a different environment, they'd all lose weight. All of them. Probably without question. Look at them. We've seen the naked and afraid. There's some big lumpers going there. Mm-hmm. The big lumpers coming out. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. But once they do a bit in between where they do a 20-day one, have a break, then a 40-day one, and you could see the weight gain straight away. When they go back, they just pile back on instantly. But then over there, they, they're not shredded, like, but they're losing and losing and losing all the time. Mm-hmm. So in environment, there's probably 99% of dieting. Physically, I mean, we'd all fairly similar and we neat is probably the main proponent that's different between us all was that the study where they put them all in a room and there was a horrific difference in neat between the, the extremities of like the lowest and the highest it was mental it was like 1500 calories a day or something stupid yeah yeah i think um Krieger obviously reported eight years ago at one of the fitness summits around the difference in in metabolic rates were like from the the highest to the lowest was something like 400 calorie differential like hardly anything really in in in, ter- in terms of real world or or, or or like big like an impact 400 calories is not a lot is it um obviously the biggest parts of people's td is that what you just said the fact that people just don't seem to move around or expend as much energy in in fidgeting and that type of stuff as much that's the biggest thing like you say the rest of our metabolic rates are all pretty similar like 400 calories for biggest and smallest people it's like well that's not a lot no, it's not. Is it? It's like compare someone of my size who sits in an office all day compared to what my or my job is. So my step on day is twenty five thousand. So most that's from work. Someone sitting at a desk is probably not doing a thousand. So same weight, same everything else apart from your job. It's gonna make a hell of a difference. I mean, twenty five thousand steps compared to a thousand is a big difference. Again, that's environment, isn't it? Yep, it is. Fran's looking blank, or I don't know if she's about to think and deep and thought about to say something. No, I just, I had nothing to add to that particular. I think, I mean, maybe this is a good time to kind of just add a couple of underlines. I think one thing I wanted to bring up was, like, regardless of these things we've talked about, like set points, setting points, um, or whatever you want to call it, I think one thing that people should take away from this is that albeit a lot of the stuff we've talked about is hugely influenced by other stuff that you can't control a lot of it is and i do think that they need to kind of focus on the bits that we definitely know that individual behaviors can overcome any environment and any other like effects of of our of our body fat regulation like we all like you can do it that's what i said about this whole point of individual responsibility for obesity you, if you do take individual responsibility, even though it's not your fault potentially that you're that you're overweight in in the loosest of terms, if you take responsibility for it, you can do something about it. And that's what we do know is that like if if you start to do a lot of the things that we preach, obviously our clients and stuff, you will see weight loss regardless of your genetics, regardless of the environment, regardless of all these other factors. Like you do have to take obviously responsibility, but you can overcome completely that. Fair. Yeah. I would say so. 
I mean, we haven't even touched on things like some of the, I suppose, things that affects how much we eat, kind of like go into like leptin and low leptin resistance and uh, like PYY ghrelin and I don't I can't even cholecystokinin. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Cholecystokinin. Isn't it? Yeah. If you want to abbreviate it. Um, and all the other things, obviously, that kind of affects um the signals to our brain and body about kind of how much fat we've got and how much we should eat and appetite regulation but I'll be honest there's probably detail that no one needs to really know um all they need to know is that a lot of the things we've talked around like eating too many junk food or too much junk food that affects those in in a not good manner i.e it much wants us to make us eat more it's a bit like what fran said around stefan's research presenting about this cat uh, cats rats and the cafeteria diet and the fact that if they ate normal rat chow they kind of maintained their weight quite normally or unconsciously. However, if they ate a load of junk food, they didn't stop eating junk food. So I suppose that's kind of like one of the key things that I've I've kind of preached or, or, or promoted a lot over the past six months, maybe a bit longer in that kind of changing my opinion on flexible dieting and more around like reducing food variety to help with adherence. I'd have never said that six months a year ago as, as strongly as I have now anyway. I'd have been more around the like if it fits your macros then you can get away with eating junk food but which is true but it, you're kind of making it harder for yourself to a certain extent by doing so which is what me and Fran were talking about in terms of letting our diet slip a bit over however long since because like you I've not other than the odd mini cut I've been now in a well, in a air quotes massing season now since like April of last year when we did our photo shoot and uh, I'm the same you know I've kind of let slip, slip stuff slip and that's what yeah, it's late at night. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. Let stuff slip um, a little bit. In that, I'm probably overeating on some stuff. I'm eating way more of the stuff that I shouldn't be eating. And I'll be honest, it's definitely effect- affects my hunger levels because I'm, you know, consuming yeah. easily t- towards the back end of 2000. You know, like the back end of 2000, so close to 3,000 calories every day. And I wouldn't say there's any points. No, I'll take it back. I wouldn't say that I am. Oh, oh, I'm really full most of the time, and you know I don't have a lot of appetite because that's far from the truth. I'm still having to utilize a lot of the stuff you do dieting just to keep my appetite to where it is, and I think that's mainly a lot of that's due because of the types of food choices that I'm I'm doing. You know, I'm just I'm being far more relaxed on my food choices, um, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because you know you've got to enjoy social occasions. There's times of life where you know YOLO and all that. You you, can't, you only live once. You want to enjoy certain stuff, and you don't want to have to kind of stick to a, a whole food diet. So. Um, but it does necessarily then show up on things like the, the stuff we're talking about, why we eat and why we maintain our weights at certain weights, like almost subconsciously. I suppose maybe that's the thing we'll finish on, unless you two have got any more to add. But I suppose like this whole point of set point and setting points is that a lot of this is a this this whole principle of suggesting that our body weight is regulated. It's because, or, or no, the, the whole point is that it's to do in an unconscious way. You know, we're unconsciously managing our our appetite, and we're unconscious. No, we're unconsciously managing our food intake based on our appetite, which mm-hmm. we're kind of skewing with a lot of the stuff that we talked about. And you know, again, the, the cafeteria diet example, um, and it maybe some of the people that have suffered um, in the past and then lost loads of weight, um, and they managed to keep that weight off. Like in Johnny's example, probably is not necessarily because they're doing it subconsciously, but they're doing it more consciously with these healthy habits and stuff. So. Mm-hmm just interesting or maybe a useful point for people to consider yeah and I think one of the biggest um, things that Stephen said um, in terms of okay so like you eat junk food it makes you want to eat junk food more what can people do to kind of I suppose reduce their calories without really like quote-unquote dieting so um, if you're say eating an ad-lib diet um and you wanted to kind of make sure that your weight stayed within kind of like a, a healthy range for yourself, um, then utilizing things like taking out the hyperpalatable foods from your diet, eating like primarily whole foods, cooking for yourself, not adding like sauces that make things hyperpalatable. So eating plainer, more quote unquote boring foods um, is likely going to reduce energy intake without like having to track calories or having to um yeah having to like consciously diet you're probably better off with like especially with clients telling them no nothing is off limits however 
nothing's been off limits for probably a long time for you. So nothing is off limits. So if you want to go out now and again, you can use a flexible approach to obviously fit in socially. But you shouldn't in the week rely on just fitting anything anything shit into your macros. Focus 90% of your diet around uh, whole foods, good sources of protein, plenty of veg, fruit, and have the knowledge you're not restricted to anything, but have the discipline to go, right, I, I shouldn't eat this stuff, but I can, mm-hmm. in, this, in the right environment, to be social, to still fit in, basically. Yeah. See, the, 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 if a fidget macros is, is, is big now and you've seen all the adverts, eat what you want. But does that really help someone who's 30 stone who eats what they want anyway? It's like, oh, I can eat what I want anyway. Oh, that's why I'm fat. So I need something. There needs to be, you can follow it, but there needs to be structure in it. Actually, no, whatever. You know, this day, this day, this day, this day, this day. No, you stick to these, but on these days when you're potentially more sociable, then you can in, bring in a flexible approach, almost like giving someone an example meal plan to follow. Like follow this for five days of the week, and then on the two days you may be more sociable, have one day where they can pick certain foods, and then one day where they are more flexible and they just work on calories. So they get all three sort of aspects of dieting so they get told what to eat but they also get options so they can pick themselves and then they also get the calories so they can be more flexible on a night out a day out with family blah 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 cool we just done 56 minutes on set points I of all the excitement of today, I actually didn't tell anyone about my news. So neither of you two asked me how my week's been. And I'll be honest, when I started to talk a little bit about how my week's been, I even forgot one major thing that happened this week. That's fairly major, really, isn't it, as well? I know. Jenna's going to be pissed. Not Good job she doesn't listen, she should never know. So don't tell her, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just suddenly thought, it's only, and it's only because she came in here with my newborn child. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't announce that. I just had a newborn. <laughs> Anyone that gives a shit would probably already follow me on Instagram anyway and, and would have seen. So, yay, I'm a dad for the second time. Hooray, my news. Anyway, moving on to something uh, even better. <laughs> um, this is our, sorry, I, I should really give it a bit more credence, shouldn't I? So we had a little girl. Her name was uh, given to her the following day. Didn't have the name ready. And it was uh, Molly Autumn Hadley. Obviously, that's, that's my surname. Lovely name, isn't it? Um, obviously we've got summer already which is hence the autumn was a middle name I was never going to have we really like the name autumn but I was like I can't have that two names as in autumn and a summer be like hippie family I'd have to have two more kids and call them obviously spring and winter wouldn't I <coughs> um, anyway so yeah everything's <laughs> yeah everything's well Jenna's well uh, we were supposed to record this podcast on Tuesday night when she went to labour um, there was me saying, "Yeah, it'd be fine. I'll just, I'll oh, we'll just do it, and then we'll go to hospital afterwards." And I thought, well, I, the contractions aren't that bad yet. Yeah. We, we can set a podcast. <laughs> I actually did say that on WhatsApp, didn't I? I was like, "Nothing's going to happen that soon." I think was the words I used, and it got to like, I don't know, whatever time we were due to record about an hour before. And I said, "I think I better cancel just in case." I'd be the responsible husband, obviously. Uh, and yeah, we end up going to hospital at like ten o'clock, and she's born at six minutes past eleven. So I was like, "It's a good job I did leave." <laughs> I've still been here recording. Um, anyway, so now I've done that, credence. This is the feature you two, as I know, you probably haven't even listened. You won't know about because I don't think I even told you either. But the last episode of me and Ed, I brought a new feature, and it is two products, one good, one bad. So obviously the listeners can't see them. So one of you took have to describe what's in my hand. So this this is this is one product. Is it a box butter. of cocoa peanut butter ball cereal. That is that is. Let me um, from Matthew. Oh hello, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Um, I just turned my camera. So obviously this focus, this new function on Skype doesn't work very well for holding stuff up to the camera. Yes, it is from Aldi. It is the cocoa peanut butter balls breakfast cereal sweetened crunchy cereal peanuts and cocoa very much like reese's puffs basically it is a rip-off um one pound 49 or something though rather than the usual five quid you'd probably pay for a box of reese's in the uk 
um, for our American listeners because we do have some. Um, so that's one product. The other product, this is very old, but something that I've only just recently had. Cool. Johnny, be quiet. Sorry, I thought you were going to explain your opinion on it. Sorry, say that again. I talked over you. What is it? Grenade, carb killer, protein spread, milk chocolate flavor. That is correct. So, can you... Yeah, something like that. I think I got it reduced. I didn't pay that sort of money. I'd like I had to pay that for the spread. No chance. Um, I'm tight as assholes. Uh, so which one do you think was good and which one do you think I thought was bad? I reckon you thought the cereal was bad. I'm going to say the opposite. You thought the cereal was good. One of you is right. I've well. seen it all over Instagram. <laughs> ah, Fran, you cheater. Correct. The cereal was amazing. Now, for £1.59 or 49 or whatever it was, go buy 10 boxes. Problem is, I bought a box that went within two days, and I tracked 50 grams of it out of a 375-gram uh, box. So you can see how much I just ate from handfuls out of the box. Yeah, never mind. I don't need that in my life right now. Yeah, it's probably like, I could do without that temptation. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably best you don't, given, obviously, your dieting status right now. Um, they are mental in terms of how nice and how, like... This is everything Stefan talks about in in a box. So you've kind of got like obviously calorie dense, forty grams is one hundred and seventy two calories. So reasonably calorie dense. You've got a good mixture of carbohydrates and fats. Um, you've got the sweet of the sweetiness of the cocoa and the and the obviously the sugar in it. You've got the more salty, savoury bit of the peanut and the peanut butter. It's literally like everything of food variety and calorie dense stuff in a box so and all the macros so um yeah this, this is the sole responsible or responsibility of the obesity epidemic boxes of this type of cereal so it was amazing however this stuff tastes like raw cake batter but not in a good way like shit cake batter so um i wouldn't buy it again ever do you know the white chocolate one is quite nice because it's got crispy bits in it has it right okay. and it is very sweet and very very easy to just spoon out that sounds more like up my street this i just thought like i say it tastes like kind of a, a weird cake batter but like not particularly sweet because obviously it's 87 percent less sugar they use uh mm. i don't know what type of polyol but i think it's a oh, maltitol i don't think maltitol is that sweet not compared to normal sugar i might be wrong i don't know my my sugar alcohols that well but um yeah i just I just I didn't enjoy it. I must say I will stick to Jim Jams or Nutella. I think because let's be yeah. honest, it's not even lower calorie, and it's twenty percent protein, which means a thirty-three gram serving of this stuff is seven grams of protein for one hundred and seventy-two calories. That's hardly something that you can call a protein spread, is it? Stick to Nutella. Yeah, I mean, obviously, to get a decent serving of this to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, I would need. Well, three to four servings. That would be 21 to 28. Probably more than that. Four to five servings. I would 800 need. calories worth. Yeah. So basically 800 calories worth of this stuff. So I would... I'm just basically taking the absolute piss by charging £6.50 for it. They are, yeah. The piss. They must make it for 20 pence. Absolutely. Also, what I found, if you don't... Like, this was obviously... It was reduced because it was close to its sell-by date. So it obviously been sitting on a shelf for a while. The, the, all of the oil, whatever oil they've used in it, which looks like it is vegetable oil, oh, vegetable oil, rapeseed, and sustainable palm oil, um, that all just kind of separated, sat at the top. Like I li- literally could have poured it out and just left like a thicker cocoa paste. Maybe I should have done that. It might have tasted better. I might have just poured the oil out and left the cocoa paste at the bottom. Oh, uh, carb killer, grenade, shit. Shit. Great bars, though. However, they are, bar. they are they are brownies are very nice. Oh, they are pretty good, actually. Yeah. Mm. They look tiny, and they have more calories than the bar. Yeah, they're about 220 and 15 grams, um, and they aren't big. But they, they as far as protein brownies go, they're definitely the best. Yeah. Because if you've ever had... They're nothing like a mite protein brownie or... A, you know, like the usual shit, really dry brownies you get. Like, what's the other one? Cymix, is it? Or oh, they're awful. Yeah, they're nothing like those. Um, like they're oh, just my... dry, crumbly shit, aren't they? Whereas the the grenade ones are actually quite brown, like lots of big chocolate chunks in them as well. Actually, like actual chocolate. I walked in the kitchen and I think Shelley must have bought two. So I assume one was mine, maybe two of hers, but I ate one. Very nice. And she's now left you, right? 
Uh, well, it's just no, yeah, she's watching the stereophonics. So. Okay. Well, she'll find out when she get back then. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I was desperate for that millisecond then trying to think of a stereophonic song that would link in that I could sing but I actually can't think of a single stereophonic song they're alright but I'm not a big fan really like, I won't go watch them I won't go watch uh, them live well clearly you won't because you're sat here no. however I would go watch Pink Floyd live that's probably the only band I'd ever go and see live because I hate bands they're all too noisy and shite well, just that, but there we are. There we go. Right. Well, on that note, um, anything you two want to add? Or? Um, no, I don't think so. Really. Short and snappy then. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>